Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including a whole bunch of goat sightings. Michael Jordan is in the headlines. Tom Brady is in the headlines. Nick Saban is in the headlines. Mike Krzyzewski of your Duke Blue Devils is in the headlines as well. You can debate who's the GOAT in this sport or that, head coach, quarterback, star guard or otherwise. All of those guys and more are in the headlines as we give away some free Hurricanes hockey tickets today. As we dive into the NFL, your 4-2 Panthers head to San Francisco to take on the still unbeaten San Francisco 49ers. Meanwhile, one of the goats who will appear on today's show in his own words, 42-year-old Tom Brady, the six-time Super Bowl champion with a shot at a seventh clearly this year as the Patriots are the only other undefeated team in the NFL. All of that greatness at the professional level has, of course, taken place in a New England Patriots uniform. On Monday Night Football, ESPN's Adam Schefter pointed out, hey, Tom Brady has sold his house. He and Giselle actually have just put it on the market, not sold yet. You know that trainer that has that crazy workout regimen and the avocado ice cream and everything in between? Well, that guy has also put up his house for sale in the New England area. And oh, by the way, did you know that Tom Brady's contract is structured so that future years are voidable. That means he could be a free agent after this season, wherever it ends, perhaps Super Bowl number seven, perhaps not. He has a much more business-like relationship with Bill Belichick than he has, for example, with the Patriots owner, Bob Kraft. That sounds a little bit closer to the father-son really, really close relationship. Belichick and Brady have won a lot together, have said all the right things, and have done a lot of great things. But nobody's really closing the door on the possibility of him playing elsewhere as he tries to live up to that projection of playing all the way to 45 years old, perhaps. Tom Brady decided to answer the speculation earlier today on Boston Area Sports Radio, so we will get to that during the course of today's program. Major League Baseball's World Series just got even more interesting in my eyes. The heavily favored Houston Astros went down at home with their nearly unbeatable ace, Garrett Cole, on the hill. He had been 19-0 in his last 25 starts, but the Nationals got him, and that is the first win for that franchise ever at the expense of Garrett Cole. They held on for a 5-4 victory over the Astros there in Houston. 20-year-old rising star Juan Soto with a home run and a two-run double. Keep in mind the Astros' dominant regular season, 107 wins, and many baseball dudes described them as one of the best constructed rosters in the 21st century, now that we're almost 20 years into that. Those 107 wins don't matter anymore. It's a best of seven. It's one nothing Nationals. And the Astros, after game two tonight, remember, have to head to the District of Columbia, or it's thereabouts, as the Nationals get to host the next couple of games or several games. Game two tonight, Steven Strasburg against Justin Verlander. The latter is a future Hall of Famer for sure. The former is one of those up-and-coming arms that has made the national starting rotation so really, really good. 
if you assume that Verlander has even greater postseason numbers than Strasburg, you'd assume wrong. Even though Verlander has great numbers in a hundred different contexts, he actually has poor numbers for his career in the World Series. And he has not even been dominant in this particular postseason. So that's the, that's the guy the Astros are asking to even this series at one apiece. We'll talk baseball today along with the NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, and other headlines of the day. We will talk a little hockey. The Canes aren't home again until Saturday. They're at Columbus tomorrow night. You can always participate in the Canes with DG contest on Twitter. Remember, use the hashtag Canes with DG. I am going to pick a winner later today. We'll send you to your choice of Saturday against the Blackhawks or next Tuesday night, the Hurricanes host the Calgary Flames. So somebody will win on the air today, pair of tickets and hopefully a parking pass if I have one in my prize closet. Uh, somebody will win on Twitter as well, so don't forget how that works. Just post any Canes-related theme. It could be a photo, a graphic, whatever. You and your buddies at a game previously, you and your family in your Canes gear in the backyard or at PNC Arena or whatever. Anything Hurricanes theme, just make sure you use the hashtag CanesWithDG so that when we spin the dial and pick a winner, you have a chance of winning a little bit later today on Twitter. We're at David Glenn Show if you'd like to follow us there. The NBA's opening night is in the books. Michael Jordan is in, for, in the headlines for a different set of reasons. There are more contenders going head-to-head -head tonight. ESPN gets the doubleheader this evening. Celtics at Sixers, Nuggets at Blazers. Last night, you saw a combination of the Toronto Raptors receiving their truly larger-than-life I mean, it looks like you could dislocate a shoulder just to carry that bad boy championship ring around on your ring finger. They handed out those enormous NBA championship rings in Toronto last night, and then they beat the New Orleans Pelicans, still missing, of course, Zion Williamson, who's out six to eight weeks. That game went to overtime. I didn't see the entirety of Clippers-Lakers, but two of the preseason favorites to win it all. In this new-look NBA, they did go head-to-head. -head. Remember, they share the Staples Center there in Los Angeles. The Clippers were technically the home team. So if you looked at the baseline, it said Clippers. But Kawhi Leonard of the Clippers, new there as a free agent, was booed by a big chunk of the fans in L.A. The Lakers fans definitely populated that arena more than the Clippers fans did, but it was the Clippers getting the victory last night over the LeBron James, Anthony Davis and company version of the Lakers, 112-102. New Laker Danny Green had a great game, but even without the injured Paul George, Kawhi and friends were able to take the victory through those pregame boos. Chinese state television declined to show either of last night's NBA season opening doubleheader. And the NBA's streaming partner in that part of the world showed only the Lakers Clippers as the Daryl Morey dominoes continue to fall. Meanwhile, the Charlotte Hornets open tonight. I'll just say this because we're glass half full here at the David Glenn Show. But as I say hello to my producer, Darren Vaught, we also have intern Will with us. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in. Barry Sverluga of the Washington Post will drop by to talk World Series. He's covered the Nationals all year, of course. Outstanding sports columnist there in recent years. 
formerly the News and Observer of, of Raleigh and elsewhere. That's how we got to know him back in the day. Michael Lee of The Athletic will join us to talk NBA. We'll talk NFL, college football, and baseball as well. You can join us by dialing that number, 1-800-849-2761. Intern Will, representing William Peace University, will be the first voice you hear for your question, comment, or complaint about one of our topics of the day. I'll just say this, Darren. You and I know in the general sense that expectations are low for the Charlotte Hornets as they open their 2019-2020 season To today. say the least. That's an understatement. So it's kind of cool. The Panthers are 4-2. and two. And imagine, if they go to San Francisco and give the Niners their first loss of the season, you will be reading not only about Cam Newton versus Kyle Allen next week. We know it's Kyle Allen this week against the Niners. But you'll be reading about the Panthers having as good a shot as anybody else in the NFC, right? There's no Patriots juggernaut out there. You beat the Niners on the NFC side of the fence. You're right in the mix, man, with the Vikings and the Saints and the Packers and some other good teams. But it's not like you're hurting your neck looking up at anybody if you get to 5-2 and two at San Francisco. Meanwhile, Rod Brindamore, Tom Dundon, that era of the Carolina Hurricanes has turned those frowns upside down entirely, and the Canes are off to a really good start. Well, that other top-level professional team franchise in our statewide audience, the Charlotte Hornets, I read this today. I'm just going to state it as something I read so I don't have to get too negative as you try to anticipate what will the Hornets, who couldn't make the playoffs most of the time with the greatest player in franchise history, Kemba Walker, what will they do now that he walked away for essentially nothing and is a member of the Boston Celtics? I actually read this at ESPN.com within the last 24 hours. Are you ready for this? If the Hornets go 0-2 in home games against Chicago and Minnesota, it's the Bulls tonight, and then it's Minnesota in Charlotte in the second game of this regular season for the, the second-year head coach, James Borrego, and the revised Hornets. If the Hornets lose those two against beatable opponents at home, the NBA record of 18 consecutive losses to open a season could be in play. That was written. That's part of your season preview for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, wow. I haven't looked at all 18 games on that schedule, but you never want to see that as a part of your season preview. And there it is at ESPN.com. We'll talk NBA with Michael Lee. We'll talk MLB with Barry's for Luga. We'll talk Panthers and Tom Brady's future and other NFL. Meanwhile, in college football, the USA Today annual database of coaches' compensation was posted yesterday at that website. Nick Saban, yet another goat on today's show, is not number one this year. I'll give you an update on who's making what and underline how much those numbers have grown in terms of head coaches' compensation, as, of course, the future of the NCAA is back in the conversation. The amateurism model may be tweaked by the NCAA or by Congress. It's already been tweaked by various state laws that haven't yet taken effect but would change what we know as the current amateurism model in college sports. The more you hear these big numbers, the more you understand why at least some athletes are not getting the full advantage of a free market the way these coaches clearly are as they rake in seven-figure salaries in numbers that we've never seen in the history of college sports. More on that story. College football is on our mind. The NFL, the NBA... 
college basketball and a little bit on a lot of things. Tom Brady, why is Michael Jordan in the headlines? Nick Saban, Mike Krzyzewski. We'll get to all the goats, and we'll welcome your calls, too. 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. No. Pick up by Davis. Here comes James. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Love to hear the voice of one of our regular guests, the inimitable Kevin Harlan. That was the NBA's opening night. We have basketball on our mind, college and pro. Goats, Michael Jordan and Mike Krzyzewski are in the headlines. More goats, Nick Saban of Alabama, Tom Brady of the Patriots in the headlines as well. You can jump in today with your questions or comments. World Series, NBA, college football, NFL, and just a smattering of college basketball. Two great guests later. Your phone calls are welcome now as I give you one thing I promised and as I remind you something that applies to the professional sports world most of the time, but not all the time and applies to the college sports world only some of the time. That is what we like to refer to casually as the free market. USA Today put out its annual database of college football coaching compensation just yesterday, and some of the numbers were eye-opening, although no longer surprising. This database started more than a decade ago, and in year number one, this is only a decade or so ago, Bob Stoops, then the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, already at that point, remember, a national champion as the head coach at Oklahoma. Those guys tend to get paid more money. When the first USA Today college football database was published more than a decade ago, Bob Stoops was the only guy being paid more than $3 million a year. Fast forward only a decade or so now, and remember, keep these numbers in mind as you contemplate the current NCAA amateurism model, which does, a lot of people leave this out of the conversation, does give athletes a lot. Room, board, tuition, cost of attendance adjustment, Pell Grants for those who show that financial need. You're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of walking around money thanks to cost of, ed cost of education and other tweaks to the system that were not part of it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, much less 40 or 50 years ago. So there's a free market aspect to the ongoing debate about the future of college athletics. I think a lot of people in the debate forget how rare a true free market is in the sports world that we follow. As we welcome your calls, listen to these numbers. So more than a decade ago, Bob Stoops, the one and only one, $3 million a year coach. Darren Vaught, would you like to take a guess on behalf of the statewide audience as we are live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns? You know there's 120 or so FBS college football programs. We're in the 130 neighborhood, I think, at this point. Would you care to guess just a decade or so after Bob Stoops was the only $3 million a year, Coach. I'm not going back to, like, the 80s. I'm going back to the early 2000s. How many would you guess head coaches are making $3 million a year now? Would it be 
12. It's almost 50. <laughs> okay. Jeff, Jeff Collins, just hired at Georgia Tech, makes $3 million a year. There's a handful of schools for which USA Today did not get data, but they do have it even for a lot of the private schools. The GOAT, Nick Saban, is no longer number one, although he has been most years. Nick Saban raked in almost $9 million this past measurable year. Dabo Sweeney, now a two-time national champion for the Clemson Tigers, makes $9 million. Now, I'm going to put off to the side. Last year, the number was actually $9.3 million for Dabo. He was number one on this year's list, $9.3 million. That's more than a lot of NFL head coaches make, just a reminder. And almost 50 coaches, I'm assuming it is about 50 because of some of the dudes who coach at schools that did not provide the data. So they have 49 in there. I have a feeling there's another one out there somewhere at one of the schools that did not report. Keep in mind that whereas we all know that college athletes are not living in a free market world. That's part of the debate, right? California adopted this law that would allow college athletes to take advantage of the free market in the sense that if somebody wants to put them on a billboard as a spokesperson, if someone wants to pay them to show up at an event and sign autographs, if someone wants to use their name and likeness in a video game, this California law would allow those athletes to do such things without jeopardizing their amateurism or their college eligibility. Under current NCAA rules, you're no longer an amateur if you do any of those things. So we have a collision coming. The athletes are not allowed to take advantage of the free market. The coaches clearly are. It's, this is, is there any secondary force in the economic universe that is limiting what Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney can make? No. No, it's, it's free market. What do people think you're worth? What are they willing to pay you? And at what number will you sign on the dotted line? And as the show, as the list indicates, you have national championship coaches near the top. Like, duh, right? Everybody's in favor of some, somehow merit mattering. Most of us are not as jealous of those who make a lot of money because they earned their way to the top of their profession. Some people would be more jealous if somebody just, you know, inherited it or fell into it in some other way other than making your way to the top of the ladder through good old-fashioned hard work. Dabo Sweeney, two-time national champion, $9.3 million. Nick Saban, perhaps the GOAT of college football coaches, $8.8-something .8 million. Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M, number four on this list, $7.5 million. And remember, that's $75 million over 10 years with every dollar guaranteed. You don't get that unless you're negotiating in a free market, right? 1-800-849-2761. You work your way down the list, of course, there are going to be a lot of guys who haven't yet won a national title, but have their teams knocking on the door. Kirby Smart at Georgia, $6.9 million. Gus Malzahn at Auburn, $6.8 million. Tom Herman at Texas, $6.7-something million. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, $6.4 million. All of these are coaches at programs that either have won national titles lately, have been in the college football playoff, or have so much money and such deep, rich tradition that they can afford to pay such things. Nobody's holding a gun to their head. There is no salary cap for college football coaches, right? So college athletics as a whole does not really live in a free market society. And everybody sees it with the athletes. 
But keep in mind that when you decide school by school, for example, we use our Podunk State University example. It's a mythical university here at the David Glenn Show. At Podunk State, were we a member of the NCAA? Darren, what if we had more money than anybody else? I love that kind of hypothetical, right? I mean, we're up there in David Tepper, $14 billion territory. We're buddies with Tom Dundon. Maybe he can lend us a couple of his billion dollars, right? The head, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. If it was truly a free market for schools, think about this now. I'm giving you these numbers for Dabo and Saban and Harbaugh and Jimbo and Kirby Smart. They're truly in a free market. The athletes, we always know and always state they're not at all in a free market. They're not allowed to take money for their athletic skills. And until at least until the system changes, they're not even allowed to take money from third parties for those other things. Name, image, likeness, autographs, billboards, spokesperson, pitchman type stuff, etc. All that is prohibited. That's the opposite of a free market. You're not allowed to even negotiate, much less do it. In college sports, if we wanted to outspend everybody at Podunk State, there are some ways we're allowed and some ways we're not allowed so my athletic department does not even live in a truly free market. Darren, what if we wanted 150 scholarship football players, right? We just wanted to run. I don't know where our Podunk State University is located. I've never picked a definitive location. <laughs> but if we wanted to run App State and UNC and NC State and Duke and Wake and ECU and Charlotte, our FBS programs, we just want to run them off the map. Now, we know this is a hypothetical because we love all seven of those schools and those coaches and those programs and those fan bases. But what if we just wanted to dominate and we wanted to use our deep pockets to do it? Well, some ways it's a free market. I could spend $10 million to hire Dabo or Nick Saban, right? That, there's, that's a free market. But what if I want 150 scholarship players? You think that might be an advantage? I think it would. Not allowed. Why? NCAA rules limit you to 85 if I'm a member of the NCAA, I am not living in a truly free market world. In basketball, I'm limited to 13 scholarships. Now, there are other things that are free market. If I want to make my stadium bigger, I'm allowed to. There's no rule against that. And the bigger, the bigger schools and the deeper-pocketed schools tend to win more often. It's not a perfect line from more money to more wins and more championships. But think about... You can make your strength and conditioning room bigger and more impressive to recruits. That's free market. You can actually, like Nick Saban does at Alabama, they do put another anti-free market limit on you. You're only allowed to have X number of assistant coaches. It varies from sport to sport. So that's a limit. That's anti-free market. However, there's no limit on the broader staff that you have. So your full-time assistants are the only ones that are allowed to recruit. That, that number is anti-free market. But if you want eight different offensive quality control coaches that aren't recruiters and eight more, whatever, former semi-retired head coaches, give them a salary that'll keep them happy, but let them study film and help you with the game plan. They just can't recruit. There's some other things they can't do. But you see the balance between free market and anti-free market? The schools, including our Podunk State, will have all sorts of limits combined with all sorts of free market. Make your stadium bigger, go right ahead. Uh, pay your coaches more, go right ahead. Make your recruiting budget larger, go right ahead. None of those things are limited by NCAA rules. But number of recruiters, yes. Number of scholarships, yes. Number of games that you play, yes. 
and there's all sorts of other red tape. So we have our hands half tied, and we live in a free market. I'm saying half, but the other chunk of the time. You get what I mean. Dabo and Nick Saban aren't making $9 million a year each unless they're in a truly free market. And what people forget in this debate, and it doesn't mean that the athletes don't have a good point. I'm a believer that 99% of college athletes already get a fair trade. I think the interesting debate is how do you make it more fair for the 1%? The NCAA wants to cling to its amateurism model. Most of us see the unfairness to the 1%. Zion Williamson got a lot from Duke. There's no doubt about it. If you add it all up, it's worth seven figures, in my opinion, even though he was only there for one year. But if you balance out what did Duke get from Zion, it was a lot more than just low seven figures or whatever number you want to put on it. Can you tweak your amateurism model to allow for third-party money to pour in? while still claiming that your guys are truly amateurs? I don't know. It's tricky. If there was an easy answer, we would have come up with it, you know, a long time ago. And I've seen such things debated for 33 years, the entirety of my writing career. And obviously, it's heated it up, heated up a lot more lately. But here's what, what surprises a lot of people. If you are an NBA player, are you a professional athlete? You are, correct? If you're an NFL player, are you a professional athlete? You are. Of course. Do you live in a truly no-holds-barred free market as a professional player in the NFL or the NBA or these other sports? Is that no because of salary? Correct. Correct. Yeah. It is not a truly free market even for the professionals in the sports that we follow here in the United States. If it were truly free market, the number one pick would be able to say, you either pay me X or I'm not playing. If it were a truly free market, there actually would be no draft at all. Everybody would be eligible to sign anywhere. You think Zion might have gotten even more than he did under the current system? Of course, there is a draft. Why is it legal? Because the union negotiated these terms on behalf of players. There is a draft. There is a salary cap. There's even essentially a salary slot for what you're des- you're told what you're going to make there's tiny wiggle room for negotiation but zion is the number one overall for the pelicans was told essentially you are going to make in this tiny window it's not it's nothing like the truly free market that out of duke i could sign with any team in the nba at any price and if nobody meets my price i'll go threaten to play in china or somewhere else Interesting, isn't it, that pro coaches, but also college coaches, live in the true free market. Athletes in pro sports do not, although it's certainly closer and they're well represented as they negotiate these salary caps and this draft rule and that seven-figure salary or eight-figure salary for some of the most highly compensated guys. College coaches fall into that rare group that not many truly enjoy the boundless free market. And what does it translate to? For a lot of guys, more money than the majority of NFL head coaches are making right now. Folks, it was nothing like that when I was growing up watching sports in the 70s. It was nothing like that when I was a high school kid in the 1980s. It was nothing like this when I started to cover sports at the end of the 80s and into the 90s. Now we're getting closer to modern day. Bob Stoops was the only $3 million football coach a little bit more than a decade ago. 
Now 50 guys fit that description. If you're wondering about the backdrop to the conversation about why athletes can't enjoy the free market at the college level, well, there it is, baby, because nobody was making millions back when you old-timers were growing up, and nobody was really making millions, plural, as a coach in college, even when I was growing up. Now, 50 dudes, including a whole bunch you don't even know who they are, are making $3 million or more a year. Why does that happen? God bless America, good old-fashioned United States capitalism without the boundaries of a salary cap or a draft system or the other things that can interrupt the free market in other contexts. Did Adam Smith drop by today's show? The, the, the invisible hand at play today? <laughs> My favorite Adam Smith is not even The Economist, just for the record. My favorite Adam Smith does great work in Burlington as a long-standing, legendary sports writer and one of our favorites out in that world. When you're only the second-best Adam Smith that I've ever heard of, how good could you possibly be? Now, I'm pretty sure the invisible hand took that other Adam a long way. 1-800-849-2761. You know Adam Smith, don't you? Do you think he ever worked the invisible hand into, like, a date conversation? <laughs> I mean, don't, who wouldn't take advantage of being named Adam Smith? No? Right? Come on. There's an invisible hand joke in there somewhere. Yeah. No, there are, there are many to be made. Decorum prohibits me from <laughs> listing them all here. You have ideas. You have questions. You have comments. We're talking free markets. Yeah, we're talking goats today as well. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Nick Saban, Mike Krzyzewski. The World Series continues with Game 2 tonight. The Astros need a win before they head to Washington, as it turns out. The Clippers... Stepped out on the right foot in the Kawhi Leonard era with a win over the Lakers last night. More good, another good doubleheader tonight in the NBA as that regular season ramps up. College football offers week nine highlights near and afar. We'll get to more of those in just a bit. And the NFL headlines include your Panthers trip to San Francisco and Tom Brady chiming in on his longer-term future. He did so this morning on Sports Radio in Boston. We'll remind you how ESPN's Adam Schefter got that conversation started as we welcome your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised on Tom Brady and the NFL. We're also talking about the free market that has enabled a lot of coaches in college football and college basketball to make a lot more million than anybody ever made before. A decade plus ago, Bob Stoops was the only college football coach making $3 million plus. Now there are 50, 5-0 at the FBS level. I got a lot of questions during the break. For the record, these guys in our neighborhood make two to three million a year. You ready? Dave Clawson at Wake. Dino Babers at Syracuse, Steve Adazio at Boston College, David Cutcliffe at Duke. The, by the way, a guy like Eli Drinkwitz at App State, I mean, it's not the USA Today database that came out yesterday is a good sort of 
sledgehammer, if you will. It's not really a scalpel. It's just kind of telling you the, the basic compensation. There's always incentives and tweaks and twists and sometimes, you know, deferred money and insurance policies, and it gets kind of crazy at times. But Eli Drinkwitz at App State would be a guy who makes – under a million dollars a year, even though he's the head coach of the best program in the Sun Belt Conference and has a chance to have the best season of anybody outside the group of five. He can make a million, but his base compensation package would be under that. You get to the Power Five leagues, Clawson, Babers, Adazio, Cutcliffe would be in the two, two to three million a year range. That's your base compensation. Jeff Collins of Georgia Tech, three million. Pat Narduzzi, Dave Doran, Scott Satterfield, the new guy at Louisville, formerly of App State. Mac Brown of North Carolina, Bronco Mendenhall of Coastal Leading UVA. Uh, they're all in the three to four million a year range. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech makes about four million. Willie Taggart at Florida State is the second highest paid coach in the ACC at about five million a year. That program was actually in the headlines yesterday because the Florida State Athletic Director chose to do something that most ADs don't do. Again, Dabo, highest paid in the country last year, $9.3 million. He's a two-time national champion and is cranking out ACC football titles, you know, like cookies at Christmas. F Willie Taggart at Florida State, remember, now the second highest paid head coach, missed a bowl last year. That hadn't happened at Florida State since 1981. And he shows up and in his first year misses the postseason entirely. This year they're three and four, so the season isn't over yet. But you could know you could go from not missing a bowl in almost four straight decades to missing in back-to-back -back years. And fresh off, I told you last Friday, as we took the big tailgate tour to Winston-Salem, we know how good Wake Forest is. We know what a great coach Dave Clawson is. We know that they're on their way to their first, their fourth straight bowl. They might end up with the second best record in the ACC behind only the Clemson Tigers, who look like they could be 13 and 0 yet again with another ACC title. We know all that. Florida State fans don't want to hear about what Wake is good at. Florida State fans know that they've won national championships under two different coaches, and they were the predecessors to Willie Taggart. Bobby Bowden, and more recently, Jimbo Fisher. They don't want to hear excuses or explanations for why you lose to Wake Forest or at Wake Forest, as was the case on Saturday night. So there's a lot of chatter. There were two published reports, and then we'll get you the Brady stuff. There were two published reports yesterday. Darren, did this even hit your radar? Everything hits mine because I'm a guest on radio shows in like Syracuse and Louisville and Boston and Miami and all these other ACC cities. So we know what hits our radar the hardest, sort of as a North Carolina-centric show. But trust me, if you do the circuit, you're going to hear about all of it a lot. Did you even know that there was a report from like footballscoop.com, I think it was, which trends more in rumors than in facts, to be nice about it. Uh, they reported that FSU had engaged big boosters about a buyout for Willie Taggart. And then there was a second report from 24-7 Sports that FSU was actually talking to Willie Taggart's agent, Jimmy Sexton, about a buyout. Like here in the here in the middle of October. Did, did either of those reports hit your radar? No. Okay. The only reason they did is because I was asked questions about it on live <laughs> radio. And thank goodness I was prepared to answer those questions as they popped up over the last 24 hours. Well, Florida State's AD had a decision to make. Now, in my 33 years, I'll put it this way. 99% of the time, 
when the subject matter is a hot seat coach, you get one of two things. And I have placed these. You've probably been standing next to me while I placed these calls to likely. an athletic director. Right? Highly likely. I, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, hey, Debbie, Yal, DG, good to talk to you again. I, I ju I'm just reaching out. I'm writing an article. I don't know if it's appropriate for you to comment or not. You know, Bubba coming Cunningham at UNC at the end of the Fedora era. Uh, Kevin White, uh, the AD at Duke. Oddly, I don't have to call him on these things. Coach K and Coach Cut have both been on firm ground for a long, long time. But, you know, Ron Wellman and all those years at Wake Forest. Hey, DG, I get it, man. I've been around the block. I know you. you're going to get one of two things, Darren. It's either the pure no comment or it's going to be a vanilla quote. And over 33 years, I mean, you can imagine me placing that phone call as the guy who created accsports.com back in 1994. I would be far more just deferential. I didn't know all those people. I was the kid. I was the kid that created the magazine and the website. Now, they're taking my calls and they're answering my questions, but I was just the kid. Uh, so, you know, out of respect, I figured you guys should be giving an, given an opportunity to chime in on this if you want, because I'm about to write this article about your coach that is in trouble. And it would be different back then. Nowadays, I'm not even kidding. I hope you're standing next to me for one of these. You either get the no comment or my second favorite, then, you know, an act, Florida State's AD gave actual quotes yesterday. That's the 1%. Actual, real-world, unfiltered quotes. That is truly rarefied air in this context. So you either get the flat no comment, or it is fun for me occasionally, the vanilla quote, where sometimes the AD will say, DG, man, I've known you so long. Just come up with something that sounds good. And I'll, I'll say, um, you know, I'll say, you know, how about uh, out of respect for the current players and the current coaching staff, we believe that all the focus should be on the field and on Saturday's game against fill in the blank. And as we do with all of our coaches and all of our programs, we will evaluate everybody and everything at the end of the current season, but not until then. Like at this stage of my career, I'm helping them. I don't bother calling your uh, your vice president in charge of media relations. I just gave you some gold right there. And sometimes, every once in a while, yeah, that sounds good. Go, go ahead and run with that. David Coburn, the athletic director at Florida State, did you see this? You're also not on your radar. It's fascinating to me. You know, like in the old days, a pigeon would would carry the the shriveled-up note and it have it would take a while, or covered wagons, Darren. We're living in the internet age, and you hadn't heard about either of those Florida State reports. Have you heard about David Coburn, Florida State AD's response? I don't believe I have. All right. More pigeons, more covered wagons here in 2019. He said, again, this is the 1%, no vanilla quote, and no no comment. He felt that those two reports, both of which he denied, demanded that he say something with detail. So what did Florida State's AD say as people asked about what would be right now? If you fired Willie Taggart at the end of this year, $17 million is the buyout. I believe that to be the largest buyout in the history of college sports if FSU pulled the trigger. Now, that doesn't mean it won't happen. UNC pulled the trigger on $12 million or so for Larry Fedora last year. It can happen, but it usually doesn't happen when the numbers are that large. David Coburn of Florida State said this. To the fans, we need to focus on winning football games, and our fans need to focus on coming out and supporting this team. 
That's a little bit of a throwing down the gauntlet, right? That's like that's poking the, the angry bear a little bit. For those who don't know, not only are the Seminoles losing football games, attendance has plummeted. There was a game earlier this year where even the announced crowd, which you knew was bogus anyway, ridiculously high and inflated, it was the smallest announced home crowd since 1983 for a home football game in Tallahassee. So now you're losing money that way if you keep an unpopular coach. The other thing that David Coburn, FSU's AD, said is that, and this is really rare, kind of Halloween-style macabre to, at that, good SAT word. Willie, if our head coach were hit by a bus tomorrow, we wouldn't be reaching out to Urban Meyer or, for that matter, Steve Spurrier. The underlying message there is even if we had a coaching change, we're not going for those Gator dudes. So one of the reports, which FSU said was wildly inaccurate, we're not going that, – that was the Urban Meyer report. David Coburn on the record with the hit-by-bus reference. Not sure I like that one if I'm the head coach. We're not – you can forget Urban Meyer, and for that matter, you can forget Steve Spurrier as well. We ain't hiring a Gator to be the head coach in Tallahassee. And I believe that for the record. What happens to Willie Taggart? I don't know. But we got the one in 100 athletic director response yesterday. And I'm happy to play pigeon or covered wagon for you today. More on the Tom Brady NFL story with your calls. Barry Sverluga on the World Series in about 10 minutes. Glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Our nation's capital has been known as an NFL city for as long as I have been alive. What's it like right now that the Washington Nationals are in their first World Series ever under that name and just beat the Astros in Houston to take a one game to zero lead? Barry Sferluga used to be a great sports columnist here. He's now a great sports columnist for the Washington Post. We'll talk baseball with Barry. More on Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Mike Krzyzewski, Nick Saban, and the other goats later on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.